three, two, one. Welcome to the Let It Out podcast, where you can let out your deepest, warranted, or unwarranted opinions. Today, I'm co-hosted with Nassan, and he's going to let us know about the topics we'll be covering today. Great, Sam. Glad to be part of episode seven of Let It Out. On today's episode, we are going to discuss California's homelessness crisis, the Wuhan virus, coronavirus update. We're going to also bring back one of the topics from episode number one on the passing of the law called AB5 on basically gig workers' rights. Uh, But before we get into it, um, I feel like at least saying happy birthday to Sam. Sam just uh, aged up. And so, yeah, Sam, it it was Sam's birthday, so so. People be willing to uh, just send Sam some love, some birthday love. Um, it, it just passed, um, but yet some time is still left. Exactly. There, there's still, there's still Sam a, to be wished happy birthday. Yeah, there's a good threshold for the belated birthdays. Uh, if it's been a week, don't, exactly. don't wish me happy birthday, please. <laughs> and I feel the same way right. for, for happy new year. After, I think, two weeks after yeah. the new year, it's enough. <laughs> it's enough with the happy new year, okay? <laughs> and I don't even know what happy yeah. new year means. But yes, Nassan, thank you. Yeah. It was it was my birthday, and uh, yeah, I feel feel a little bit uh, a little bit older, not any wiser, <laughs> but um, um. <laughs> but I guess uh, we'll have to keep waiting for for, for my wisdom to to for grow. Some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, now it's time for us to let it out, and also I want to mention one more um, part to our podcast before we begin. We were added to some more platforms. So if you're looking for more platforms or you already listened to some platforms for podcasts, um, all of our platforms include Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Spotify. So, yeah. Um, wow. If you want to find us on more, if yeah, you want to be added um, to some more podcasts, platforms so uh, for our first you. topic thank you Nassan. Man, we're that's just going great to that you, that you got a podcast on all those platforms i feel like i'm not doing oh. anything <laughs> it was it was it was anchor just like a really quick anchor plug um uh-huh. we use anchor.fm as like our um kind of main podcast provider like we upload it gets uploaded to anchor and anchor kind of just distributes it um so anchor kind of takes care of it like um we took a care of like uh, the apple podcast part but anchor took care of all the rest so yeah um i'm ready to start with the first topic of california's homelessness crisis sam how about yourself yes i'm ready to start man get us us into it all right so um for plenty of you californians it might be really obvious to see the number of homeless people just like um i guess just around i guess it's it's kind of really obvious, and it's become very prominent as a problem to the state. And on this past Wednesday, February 19th, um, California's Governor Gavin Newsom gave his annual State of the State address, and the problem of California's homelessness population was the most discussed topic. He called the homelessness crisis a disgrace and outlined ways to end the enabling of homelessness and poverty-driven mental health and drug abuse issues to try to reduce the largest number of impoverished people in the country's richest state. So overall, it was like a way to try to keep the population's divide of wealth among people from continuing to get larger. So just to get into the statistics of homelessness for California, the total population of homelessness is the largest amongst states. Um, California's homelessness population is roughly like at like 150,000, practically 25% of the nation's total homelessness population is in California and the total population of uh, homeless people um, just within Los Angeles County is over the total number of homeless people for 20 states combined. It's, It's like more than 20 states combined of just LA County's number of homeless. So it's pretty outrageous. So Newsom spoke on creating more places to accommodate the homeless instead of just letting it 
keep going on, as well as creating laws to prevent the homelessness from continuing, basically trying to create stopgaps. He also mentioned regulating eviction and acceptance laws for prospective tenants to keep people from being discriminated against for finding finding places to live because he also mentioned some discriminatory like um, statistics as well um, if you want to look it up uh, you're like very welcome to um, it was basically a call to action and seemingly a prelude to plans for a corporal effort being put forth towards keeping california's streets clean the planned proposal to end california's homelessness problem would allocate uh, like 1.4 billion dollars towards stopping the problem uh, like 750 million of it um, is i guess expected to go towards paying the rent of the homeless and to build the affordable places of residency so it would kind of totally uh, recreate the way california's uh, living situation and like housing situation might soon turn out to be um, 695 million um, would be set to go towards Medicaid programs for people dealing with homelessness issues directly tied to like health issues or mental health issues. And um, all of it would come from a one-time tax revenue collection. Um, June 15th is the due date for the deal of the decision. So like I was saying, uh, Governor Newsom was basically saying letting the homelessness population continue to grow and continue to get worse is bad for the state and it would uh, make the state worse you're saying it's a disgrace for the richest state to deal with the largest number of like i was saying impoverished or homeless people um, so sam overall just the idea of maybe creating housing or setting up programs for people to get out of homelessness uh, how do you feel about like just the premise of the idea um I feel two ways about it. I mean, number one, yes. I mean, people, I mean, having, I mean, spending the money to build housing is one thing, but you can't just house homeless people because most people, I, I, I'm not going to say most, I don't know the statistics on this, but I, I, I think that a lot of people are homeless and they, and it's a lot easier for them to be homeless than to have a job and to pay rent and to, to do these things, right? So I think um, a lot of money needs to be put for like, you know, you know, to get them off drugs and to get them, you know, mental health, uh, what's it called? Uh, mental health. Uh, yeah, like, um, I don't know what the, what types the, what the of word is. Programs. Yeah, programs yeah, mental health programs. Try to yeah. reassimilate people. I was, exactly. Yeah, I was... yeah, not even reassimilate. I mean, they just, a lot of these people that are homeless, they just, they're just mentally ill, man. <laughs> I mean, and then if you, I think I was, I don't know what documentary I was watching, but, you know, they went out and they asked people, um, you know, asked people that have actually, been part of these kind of programs, these housing programs, and you know these failed housing programs where they try to you know sweep the homeless up and put them in housing and thinking that okay you're homeless we're going to put you in a home that's going to solve the problem. That's not it. Like these people were drug addicts, right? So as soon as as soon as as soon as yeah. they could go out and and get some more drugs, they were just they're like it's easier for me to get money and drugs on the street, <laughs> right? And that's I'd rather live that life, right? So obviously right. I believe it's not even a homelessness crisis. It's it's, it's a mental health issue right it's a mental, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a mental person, health crisis yeah person yeah. by person crisis yeah. yeah exactly so i think um you know it's good that they they're going to create these housing but don't just let it be just housing it has to be like some kind of program you know you don't just give homeless people keys to houses and then just call it a day i think it has to be a lot more um intervention in terms of like medical intervention just to make sure yeah. that we can either correct this problem or you know get the people the help that they actually need because a lot of these people were just addicted to drugs and they need to you know go to some you know 12 step program or something like that and just giving them a house or somewhere to stay is not going to be enough um so right so and i think i think i think you know because of that if they do do any of these programs it should be like a hybrid kind of thing like if you get this help or if you go to these programs and you're showing that you're actually, you know, benefiting from the program and you're getting better, mm. then we can put you up in, in housing or something like that, right? Right. I mean, yeah. but at, at the same time, do you think, I, I mean, how motivated would people be to, 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 to do that? I think they would just want to stay in the streets. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of see two sides to it, too. Um, like, the first side being, um, like, I feel like, empathetically, I guess, it's, like, saddening to see people dealing with poverty, and um, I feel like it's good for us to help. It's good for us to try to get everyone involved in basically the health and wealth of the state. Um, but, like you were saying, um, the second side of it is some people are less willing to cooperate and like seeing them like practically or sometimes or um, in plenty of ways, like we hear of like fires started from um, encampments and so on. People were causing damage to the state. People are causing damage to just like public places. People defecate people. Um, leave trash, people... Um, people are attacking other basically, people. <laughs> yeah, mean, exactly. People leave messages. Yeah, yeah. People yeah, are... Yeah. Some, of these, stories. some of these homeless people are just high on drugs, man. <laughs> they're they're out, yeah. there, out there eating people's faces <laughs> and whatnot. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's been confirmed stories of, of craziness happening. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's difficult to create some type of, like, one-stop, end-all, be-all but the reassimilation types of programs, like you mentioned, maybe giving people steps. I mean, I feel like it's really important to make sure uh, people are off the streets. Like, even if they want to be on the streets, uh -huh. um, I think it's better for them to get um, removed. Like, if someone is seen being homeless for, like, three days or something, uh, I feel like it's better for them to be taken care of rather um, than just letting it go on so as people like just let it continue to grow it just gets worse so um i mean and then program it's, it's just a very it's a very finicky topic because i mean you're homeless and you know i mean what if you like commit a crime and now you go to prison right i mean it's, 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 it's <laughs> and then they get out and yeah they're still homeless it's, it's a whole cycle uh, of uh, yeah. you know yeah I don't know. I, I I don't think there's a there's a best. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a best way to solve the problem. Um, but I just I just feel like at this point, just throw all the darts on the board, man, <laughs> and see and see what happens. You know. Um, I mean, overall, for homeless people, California is probably like uh, a safer place just because of um, factors like weather and so on. Like um, that's why people come here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably easier to make it through California winters. Um, it might be more difficult to make it through California summers. Uh, but overall, this state's um, weather is kind of more regulated, more easy to um, deal with and cope with. So California being the place where homeless people might flee to um, is probably true. Um, so um, California's homelessness population has been rising for some like amount of years but like it kind of fluctuates too it's it's i'm pretty sure it's usually like right at the top or close to it new york's population was also uh, really high so yeah i i mean i suggest some type of program for reassimilation and after i mean if the people are dealing with um, some type of issue like an ongoing um, mental health issue or an ongoing health issue like some type of like disability or something um I mean, it takes medical care to keep them from being on the streets. Like some people uh, might be dealing with situations keeping them out of getting work or keeping them out of finding some way of getting paid. So um, in my opinion, it's best to um, find some ways to safely keep the people off the streets and deal with it as it goes, like making steps and trying to keep it i mean it takes some policing to some extent like Absolutely. if it's wrong and dangerous for people to set fires at encampments um because they lead to like um, larger fires it's good to police them to keep them from yeah causing trouble yeah and i think another thing is i mean i think the governor said something in his, his speech about you know trying to target the program with intentionality right like we have to have some intention mm -hmm. with you. We don't. We don't. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't want this to just. Well, yeah. He. Go ahead. Yeah. He basically called people enablers. I believe the term was NIMBY. Yeah. 
NIMBY, uh, like, <laughs> it was an acronym for, like, basically just letting it go on. Exactly. So, when I, when you said that, um, what resonated with me, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was like, a, I was listening to This American Life or something like that, but there were programs out here in California for, I guess, you know, for homeless people, and a lot of people came to California from other states, right? Because to it, receive, yeah, yeah to, to receive, the these, help. yeah, to receive the help, right? But then basically, once they got here and then they got the help, the help wasn't like good enough, right? So they just ended up, you mm. know, from being homeless in somewhere like I'm just gonna, I don't know, Colorado or something like that, right? And then you know, you they, mm-hmm. basically the program says, oh, come to California, we're gonna do this, this, and this. But then basically, after the program ended, they just ended up being homeless. In California, <laughs> there was no inten- yeah. there was no intention behind the program, and maybe maybe the program you know got funding because they had you know you know this amount of people from this state and this amount of people from this state, and then this is how we're going to get our funds. And there was the, the real intention was not to solve the homeless problem, but maybe just to I don't know to line your pockets, right? Um, yeah. So I think I think you know if you. <laughs> You know, as the governor said, if, if there's going to be intention behind the programs, then, I mean, things should work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if people really care about solving the problem. Yeah. yeah, it's been an ongoing problem, so I presume methods are um, at least trialed, so it might lead to some, like, better ways of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, like... Um, the stability of the economy and the programs sometimes get like teetered from an influx of people because like um, the state might be dealing with even more homeless people like um, just like running totals might like uh, be less or mm-hmm. yeah be inadequate for just finding like every single homeless person but yeah it's it's definitely a crisis I mean it's tough for me to go from any uh, place five miles away or more and like um, just go outside of like passing somebody um, like homeless so yeah, yeah it's I really, see, listen man like I every see. time I go to some place it seems like I might see at least one person you know what every time I go to Starbucks I see homeless people outside <laughs> or mm-hmm. just you know you know just getting their cup of coffee or whatever and then that's it I mean they're everywhere. Almost yeah. people everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. So um, maybe we'll give some more updates um, as the plan proceeds. Like I was saying, um, it's set. Uh, due date is June fifteenth, and so maybe on June fifteenth we might um, see some type of intentionality towards radical just like fixing a radical street cleaning. I mean, yeah. basically it's to keep the state clean. Like I was saying, people staying homeless um, causes more problems with sanitation and so on. So Exactly. I mean, there's nothing that we can really do. If people are homeless in the streets, you know, they have to use the yeah. restroom. They, people, I mean, a couple people, have to yeah. sur- people have to survive, man, <laughs> at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, exactly. All right? Yeah. So. And I don't know. There's no sanctuary. We we just there's not a theme park we can just put all these people at. You know. Yep. And like and like you're saying, some people ruin programs and so on with stuff like drugs. Like park bathrooms get locked. Yeah. Um, people turn down homeless people like because they believe they might be on drugs or mm-hmm. um, they might be dealing with some type of drug problem and so on. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely tough to figure out. Exactly. I mean, it is tough to figure out. You know, sometimes, uh, I mean, not now, but back when I didn't really know what I was going to do, uh, mm-hmm. I always imagined, I used to always look up, not look up, but think about how I would survive if I was homeless. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, you know, what measures would I take if it ever yeah. came to that point? And then, but so I would, Like finding resources. Exactly. And stuff. But, I, but in my perspective, you know, I would. In my eyes, I wasn't. Uh, I was just gonna be homeless and still have my same mind. I wasn't like addicted to drugs and all these kinds of things, you know. So yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a per- perpetual cycle. Like people yeah. get into it, and it's tough to get out without some type of like um, person or program or some type of backer. Yeah, exactly. 
I think I think once these programs get started, they should just they, they should separate the people that actually want help. You know that are. I agree. That are, yeah, I totally agree. That are actually homeless. You know, talking about the mother mm-hmm. with like two kids or something like that, right? And then she's mm-hmm. she just you know she's she's literally she doesn't do any drugs and these kinds of things. She's just homeless because of some crazy mm-hmm. circumstance, right? I think. Yep. You know, once we get once you once you, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's get the, let's get the good homeless people cleaned up first. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess like last thing, um, some people fraudulently like pretend to be homeless and programs to get people oh, off the street yeah. is yeah, yeah makes yeah. it less likely for people to believe people faking it. It's so just, it's just human nature. It, yeah, they give homeless people like a bad rap, like yeah. people faking it and stuff like it perpetuates a problem and makes it worse and so on so yeah all right so once you're ready to move on i'm ready i'm ready man go ahead all right so for our second topic we're going to discuss uh, one of the topics or state laws from episode one so uh, during episode one if you like going back to it we discussed the passing of the state law called ab5 and it basically um, was created to make it so um, people formerly considered to be independent contractors for companies like Uber and Postmates are going to be classified as employees and receive an opportunity uh, for benefits like medical insurance uh, from their employers. Um, AB5 gives employees greater labor union protections like minimum wage laws, sick leave, workers' compensation, and unemployment compensation. The law is basically only void if the workers fall within three categories. So if the worker um, or the individual is free from direction and control, applicable both under his contract for the performance of service, and in fact, like, basically, if the person kind of just, like, does their own thing like whatever they want if they do whatever they want they are outside of um, the employee rights Um, or if the service is performed outside the usual course of business of the employer or if the individual is customarily engaged in an independently established trade occupation profession or business of the same nature as that involved in the service performed so basically if the individual is, um, I guess, making their own business out of it and becoming the independent contractor through themselves. So basically, the independence of the individual uh, makes them the contractor. The dependence upon the company for the work makes them the employee. So, um, it pretty much means if someone is hired to perform an action outside of the usual purpose of the business, they may be classified as an independent contractor. For example, if a restaurant hires someone to only fix the roof of the building, the roof repair would set the rules and guidelines for the way the roof would be fixed, and the business would then be given the option to agree on the set guidelines. If the company agrees, the contractor would then fix the roof as planned to complete the job. If the roof repair is then told to prepare some food for a customer of the restaurant and then does during the time they're supposed to be fixing the roof and are getting paid by the business during the time allocated for fixing the roof, they then lose the classification of an independent contractor and become an employee. Sam, we going to say something? <laughs> I was going to say, what the fuck are you doing making meals, man? You're supposed to be fixing the roof. If the business owner says, like, oh, will you also do more work? Will you also, like, yeah, get us yeah, some food prepared? So, <laughs> I mean, AB5, mm-hmm. oh, go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're trying to get some medical benefits, man, you'd be, be trying to prepare some <laughs> some sandwiches <laughs> or something. <Right. laughs> it's like... It's like <laughs> I said, aren't you, aren't you the roof guy? Eh, just let me make this sandwich, doc. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Can I? Yeah. Just show me how it's done. <laughs> show me how it's done. This is very interesting. And now, yeah. <laughs> and then now I, I have my whole family covered for medical. <laughs> make one sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yep. <laughs> Go right. Ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. It's an extreme, but yeah. Okay. So AB five allows some businesses exemption. 
with some parameters being whether the contractors had direct access to communication with the customers or whether the contractors earned twice the minimum wage. So some companies found like a way out of it. Um, they got out of it because basically the people were willing to be contractors for them instead of being employees. So people were like, well, I make so much money doing it. I'm just going to make my own business out of it and we'll agree to the terms of independent contracting and it'll go forth as is. But like um, to do so, the work's got to stand like alone outside of the business. If it is only directly tied to the business, it basically means employment as opposed to contracting. So, yeah, usually contractors find work at multiple places, multiple venues like um, some contractor might uh, fix the roof for McDonald's and then fix the roof for some bank and then fix the roof for some hospital, right? So the contractor basically goes on their own path to find the work and the companies agree to letting them fix the problem they asked to be fixed. <laughs> this, is, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> why i mean, I mean it's just, it's people, just like... people people comprehend the idea of an independent contractor and if someone is working for postmates or uber mm -hmm. it is more like employment than it is Man, i know independent contracting if i was uber or whatever i'd be so mad i was trying to basically the app is to solve the problem of of like high you know the, the price of a high tech a taxi cab right mm -hmm. if you work, yeah. but if you work for a taxi cab company <laughs> you get you probably get those benefits. <laughs> you see what I'm mm -hmm. saying, right? So, ba yeah. so basically, this app was created to not be your taxi cab with a high price because you know the reason their taxi costs so much is because they have to pay for <laughs> medical yeah. and all these kinds of things, right? They got unionized people. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So basically, what's happening now with AB5 is turning Uber and Lyft and all these to actual. To, to the things that they were trying to, to not become. <laughs> you guys are just becoming the, the same thing, becoming your worst nightmare, the thing you were trying to avoid the whole time. You're trying to give people affordable rides, <laughs> right? Uh, I just feel bad for the company. I, I feel bad for the owners of the companies. Imagine trying to create something that's supposed to be the antithesis of, um, <laughs> of uh, you know. Employee, exactly, employer it, relationships. Exactly. And now you got this law, and it's like, well, I guess this is, this is what it is now. And it's all based on people just, you know, it, it happens uh, in a capitalist economy all, all the time, man. You got enough people mm -hmm. voicing their opinions about something or, or saying something, um, you know. It just goes to show, I mean, the other side of the coin is it just goes to show that people have the power when it comes to these companies. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, uh, the people, I mean, so I, I applaud, you know, I applaud that side of it too. Like, you have, mm -hmm. you, they're able to get enough people together to make enough complaints to where the people that are controlling your wages right now you're controlling their business you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah yeah right. yeah the people um like you were saying uh for episode one you're saying people at first were agreeing to it and after they wanted to request benefits so they were trying to yeah like get more out of the initial agreement yeah but yeah but with the way with the way the system works they are more like employees like um, if they were contractors they would create their own app and they would uh, go and assimilate with like the apps for the site like some driver might make some type of personal driving app and link it to uber and lyft and um, any more like ride sharing business and they are then the independent contractor because the businesses are linked to them as opposed to like them being only linked to the business. So like they are, they are kind of the head of it as opposed to being like the, and, uh, that makes the sense. linked partner. Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, when you, when you, when you put it in, in those terms and then yes, but yeah, if the person were going to be the contractor, they'd make the app. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's same way as the roofer is called, you know, Sam's yeah, Roofing make, Company or whatever. And then I yeah, they I, make the business. They yeah. get the contractor license. Yeah, dang, very unfortunate for them. I mean, uh, it's a big blow <laughs> to to, yeah. to those apps. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, AB five allows 
Oh, I apologize. I was going to, yeah. So the law came into effect on January 1st of 2020, and Uber and Postmates filed a request for injunction, meaning they wanted to be exempt. On February 10th, the judge of the case denied the motion, meaning the request for injunction was stopped. The case of the claimants, Uber and Postmates, was workers being classified as employees might take out the freedom of independent contractor options like setting their own schedules. Uh, so for me, it basically all comes down to like tax forms. Uh -huh. um, employees of app-based companies might soon find themselves going through the process of filing 1040s and sending W-2s as opposed to just sending an independent contractor 1099, meaning different tax situations for employers and employees uh, to maybe go uh, and start dealing with portions of compensation being removed directly from said employees for tax reasons before receiving stipends. So yeah, it might become more like just some regular business, like they might start um, getting the taxes taken out, and they might people might start uh, getting yeah. Because as 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 an Uber driver, you do just, your yeah. you do your own taxes. You know you, exactly. You, yeah, you figure all that for stuff Postmates out. and yeah. I presume for like uh, for Lyft, yeah, <laughs> it's the same. And for more, it's it's more of the. 1099 situation and <clears throat> and the amount is taken out after yeah, as opposed but, <clears throat> to it being taken out before the stipends received and then I, I don't know one one question that I would have is what percentage of drivers right you know mm -hmm. want this you know what I'm saying like, yeah a, a, you're right. in, in the grand scheme of things is, is, is it is, is it only like a small percentage of t like 10% of because you got to think you know uh, this kind of Uber and Postmates, it's something you do on the side, you know, and some people actually yeah. do it. Some people, I've been in many lifts and many Ubers where the drivers, they just do full it. Full time. No, 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 not, not, not full time. No, 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 no not full time. No, I'm, I'm saying, just... I'm saying, the drivers, they're just doing it to get out the house, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, okay. they're, they're doing it to just, it's just something, you know, for them to do. So I, I would want to break down the percentages of you know, the ones that are doing it full-time and might want these benefits, right? And then the others, I mean, what percentage of, uh, are full-time drivers and what percentage is just part-time, just, I just do this, you know, if, if I if I need an extra, you know, couple hundred bucks in my pocket, right? Um, mm -hmm. I want to break that down because I feel if, you know, as, as this perpetuates, this becomes uh, a bigger thing, you're going to be, uh, I don't know, the people that are doing it part-time are going to be affected in a way that they really don't want to be right you know what i'm saying it's like, yeah like yeah like uber might start to set schedules exactly Uber it, might be like since you're an employee you're set to work from set time to set time yeah and some people like the freedom and not like, and not um, and not only that not only that these people that you know you're you're right now you're an i9 or you have a, so you're a contracted you know yeah employer, right um a lot of these people they might have jobs where you know, you can, you can have like, you know, you, you can be contracted out to, to do this, right? So they, so it's okay, right? But a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of employers, like, you cannot have another another job. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you can't mm -hmm. be, you cannot have another, you know, you, you can't be employed yeah, somewhere some, else. Some, but yeah, some places might set rules. Exactly, a lot, a lot of places do. They say you can't have another job. But you know, when you look into the weeds of things, being contract like an I nine contract contract worker. Yeah. Just like it doesn't really count because you know I make my own yes. schedule and I can I can go ahead and and not, I don't I don't have to do this I'm just doing this for whatever. But if you have another full if you have another job, you know, and you get your schedule set, it's going to conflict with you know your current job. So it kind of just I don't know. So I, mean, I, I don't know how yeah. to put it, but it's, it's yeah, um, I feel like um, the companies are just going to bite the bullet, I guess and start dealing with considering people employees it might alter the way the businesses run and it might take some time to like take full effect because like during episode one i mentioned um i'm part of the postmates fleet mm -hmm. and so it's just for like extra money and exactly um, how's it gonna affect you since yeah since 2020 started it's been the same for me as far as like the way the job is performed um but yeah um I might see it be kind of different, um, but it's, it might take some time. So, yeah. Right. Yep, yep. Um, overall, it's more like it's more legally right as opposed to um, just people's wants. Like legally, 
the people are more like employees. Um, like I was saying, if they found found some way to create apps for themselves, like they're going to provide such and such service. Like if I were to make the Nissan app and or the Nissan job app, like Nissan's jobs app, and I were to find places with um, jobs um, suiting my abilities, and I were to like put myself out as someone willing to perform the work, it'd be more like me being an independent contractor. Uh, but since it's through um, the business already, it's more like employment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what clever way they'd be able to uh, <laughs> to get around this. Work hard in it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I can't think of any ideas. Uh, any ideas that come to mind would be, you know, you get to request who you want, and they're just affiliated in in the app. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it gives them more power too, to some extent. Like you were saying, they might um, figure out the person they want to. Exactly. Um, yeah, perform the services more as opposed to it being randomized. Um, so they I might give it, you know, you know, more people or some people more opportunities. Yeah, it might it might just boil down to Uber is just going to be a database of what's it called <laughs> of drivers that ratings are, yeah yeah of ratings, ratings yeah that, that are linked to your app right and you can see who's driving right and then you're able to select the driver <laughs> right mm -hmm. and then yeah. and then from from that going forward you know you know they give their 20 percent to uber whatever the case may be and then i don't know but it, mm -hmm. it, it gets in the whole thing of insurance all these kinds of things yeah whatever yeah. So let, let them deal with that. We'll see. We'll see what clever things they come up with. There's yeah. a, a lot of smart people working over there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, um, I'm ready to move on, Sam. Yes. How about yourself? I'm, I'm ready to move All right. on. All right. So uh, for our third topic, we're going to continue with the ongoing topic of COVID-19. Um, COVID-19, uh, like we mentioned before, uh, is considered as the Wuhan coronavirus. And COVID-19 is becoming, and like I was saying previously, um, is already um, a pandemic. So it's already being spread worldwide um, with over 77,000 cases and over 2,400 deaths. Um, so, yeah, it's it's continuing to grow after it seemed like it was starting to like simmer down and slow down. Um, during the week, um, its origin was brought back to the point of speculation at first. Mm -hmm. Um, some seafood market within Wuhan was considered the starting point, but um, researchers found an outbreak spike after the seafood market was already closed down. So speculation on the starting point is like still up for grabs. I guess they are still trying to figure out the starting point. The number of U.S. cases rose to 35 or so, and many were from the Diamond Princess cruise ship. I mentioned people were evacuated um, last Sunday, I believe, and um, are going through the process of, like, quarantining and so on. So um, it's starting to spread more vigorously outside of China with over 200 South Korean cases, many being blamed on a cult. Um, fear that, of it you, being, said, you said a cult? Yeah, some cold is being blamed for it spreading through South Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Um, and, like, personally, um, it was even mentioned to me, like, fear of it being spread through Japan for um, the summer might alter the plans of the Summer Olympics. So, like, the area of, like, China and Japan and just Asia are, um, yeah, or might get kind of bad because of the plans and the expectations of the near future. So, um, overall, um, like we're just going to, I guess, just deal with it like through America. Um, I mean, I was expecting it to kind of stay out of America, but it seems like with some more cases, we might be, um, just waiting, um, to figure out if people are going to, like start dealing with it because like recovered patients might still be contagious. Um, so we're going to see it as it goes. Um, are you uh, feeling any more or less, um, I guess, expectant of the virus to continue to spread more rapidly or 
Like, I was expecting it to slow down. I felt like last week was going to be the last week of it being, like, a big deal. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's, the big deal, it's been the, growing. A big deal in the U.S. or a big deal in general? Just generally, I felt like it was going to go down. Like, the number of deaths went up, uh, like, 700 or so. Okay. And the total cases went up, like, um, 11,000. I mean, it was way less um, than the weeks before. Like, it went up almost 30,000. Um, like two weeks ago to last week. So uh, it slowed down, but I ex- kind of expected it to slow down more. Jeez. There's, um, I mean, <clears throat> there's this YouTuber, his name is Serpenza, right? Mm-hmm. I, okay. think, I think he lives in, in, uh, in China. China? Yeah. So he, <laughs> he was trying, I think he put out a video a day ago, about why diseases and things spread so rapidly in China, right? So we had, you know, SARS outbreak and things like that, right? So yeah, he painted a picture of basically um, there's two uh, ways that people view China. There's these influencers or people that are, are I don't know, very popular in China. They kind of say mm-hmm. China is very clean. Like, and, and like the, leaders? No, 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 like no, 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 like, not leaders, like, in, like, Instagram influencers, there's somebody that's, a po- okay. like, a popular, just yeah. like himself, like a popular YouTuber, and then, yeah. um, basically he said the reason why it spreads so crazy in China is because there's hygiene problems <laughs> within, mm-hmm. I mean, not, you know, the, these, these crazy, not, not, not within the main cities, but, you know, outside of those main cities, it's mm-hmm. just, like, people, it's just, uh, it's very rural, right? So yeah. a lot of the hygiene practices are just not, uh, you know, they're not transferable in rural areas. So, yeah. you know, when it comes to something like this, especially, uh, you know, when, when diseases, um, you know, first come into play, it's just like hygiene is the number one of most importance. And that's not what happens in China. It's, they have a hygienic problem to where things just spread very rapidly, like new diseases spread very mm-hmm. rapidly. And then, you know, what you were saying about the fish market, you know, the feral meats, you know, again, back mm-hmm. to what I was saying, you know, there's a lot of uh, misinformation about if you eat this, it's going to, you know, benefit you or whatever the case may be. And that's one of the main causes of the problem. So my thing is, um, I feel like once the disease gets out of China and then to places like the U.S., at least here, we you know, we have good hygiene for the most part, right? If you live in a... Well, we're dealing with the homelessness that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not if you live in a... <laughs> not if you live in, in, in one of those major cities. Obviously, in any major city, there's going to be homelessness and kind of problems like that. But if you, um, you know, I feel like people wash their hands. There's 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 bathrooms available, you know. Um, there's soap available mm. and all these kinds of things. To where uh, it's like it's an afterthought. You go in the bathroom, and you know that there's soap there. You know that there's a, a clean toilet and things like that. But you know, places like in China where this disease started, like it's not that much of an afterthought. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. like there might not be soap. It might not be running water right, in, in kind of rural places. Um, so my thing is, or my whole tie back to this is, I was coughing last week. My cough is gone. <laughs> I don't have the coronavirus. So, great. <laughs> I think uh, I think it'll be all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're just going to see it as it goes. Um, cases seem to be well lessening to some extent. Like the case number is still growing, but the rate of it is less than before. So, uh, maybe it'll get better soon. Uh, it's just about containment. Like it leaving China might lead to more problems, but it might also um, be stopped since people already are, are aware of it. Uh-huh. People might be more ready for it and so on. So yeah, um, COVID-19 is still going on and, and people are still dealing with it and, um, it's tragic. Um, yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just going to wait it out. Wash, your, wash your hands and stay Yeah, and stay Yeah. The inside. most important part I believe still is like, yeah, uh, taking care of your hygiene, such as washing your hands and so on, because hand-to-mouth transfer is very serious exactly. uh, when it I comes think... to like bacteria and viruses and so on. Yeah, I think there's a stat. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so yeah, people well, also... I, yeah, so oh, I, think, I, I think the stat is... Yeah, so <laughs> the average person can touch their face unknowingly up to mm -hmm. 3,000 times a day. <laughs> yep. Right? So throughout the day, yep. you just unknowingly touch your face. So if you keep your hands clean and you keep everything away from your face, yep. you should be fine. But you unknowingly touch your face, so that should be... Uh, a driver to you know just wash your hands so yeah, yeah. as funny as it seems um, food service like employees uh -huh. uh, are less likely in my opinion like I, I kind of realized it because I used to work for like um, customer service food places uh -huh. are less likely uh, to touch their faces because they are so used to like uh, not being allowed to like you're not allowed yeah. to touch your face you're because you're dealing face. with food and so on yeah. so um yeah, some people less likely to touch their faces or the people making your pizzas and burgers and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I even I go to this place. It's a burger place right next to my uh, right next to my condo, and um, the the owner he was I think he was sick like two weeks ago, but he was still working, right? <laughs> Which was, mm -hmm. but I still I, I kind of rolled the dice, but because of his yeah. hygiene, right? Because he was it, it's an open kitchen, so you can see exactly what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. He's not sitting there sneezing on the food. Is right. you know basically right before he, before he even starts, he goes ahead and he he washes his hands thoroughly, right? Yeah. He prepared my food, right? Even though he was seemingly sick, I I, mm -hmm. I went home, ate the food. I, I didn't get sick, right? Because yeah. you know even you know that'll that'll stop the spread of infection. Um, yeah. Just just being a little bit uh, more hygienic. And you're right because he worked in food service, he had to go through the necessary precautions to make sure that he's not getting his customers yeah. sick, even though he was, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, so yeah, um, I remember, um, since like I used to wash my hands so much for food service, um, I was less likely to get sick, so I rarely got sick during my time like uh, working in food service. Like, yeah. I maybe remember being sick twice over the course of like three or so years. Yeah, I like, never- Like maybe twice, maybe yeah. once. I also, I went to school, um, I worked in the cafeteria. I went to UC Davis, right? And then mm -hmm. there was a yeah. big cafeteria. And every time you walked in the kitchen, and every time you walked out of the kitchen, you'd have to wash your hands. Yeah. Right? So it was just like a, it was a double whammy. And then not only yeah. that, you wash your hands, and then you put on gloves after you washed your hands. Yeah. Right? So the plastic touching your face is going to make it easier for you to feel and make you less likely to touch your face. Yeah. Exactly. So it'd be yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah you, you'd sanitize your hands even before you put the gloves on, right? Yeah, which is great. And then sometimes, if you worked in like, um, sometimes it, it was a, it was like a it was like a mess hall basically with the different stations. And then one of them was like a like a the pizza, you know, all they made was pizza. You'd have to double glove because it was the pizza. Yeah. Pizza was so hot. Well, so so it was kind of uh, what's it called? I mean, just being, we used to just be, be, use our bare hands to make pizza. Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> fucking gorillas. <laughs> 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 the heat from the oven cooks out the bacteria and yeah we used to just wash our hands really often bare hands huh <laughs> yeah okay all right let's let's uh let's let's move on all right so for our extra topic um we usually just like quickly discuss some type of like just like it's just usually kind of random usually um so for, for this week we're going to discuss inflation rates being at all-time lows but stuff still being expensive so the national inflation rates are at the historic low of about two percent so inflation basically means the um increased rate of prices like per day per month per year or so on it means like um after such time period the price is going to go up by such percent like if something is one dollar and the inflation rate is two percent um it's going to go up to one dollar and two cents um so yeah inflation rates being low basically stabilize prices so um like overall like inflation rates like i read it and i was kind of like inflation rates being at an all-time low are kind of obviously going to keep stuff at the same price. The idea is 
like so-called it's probably i'm pretty sure it's called deflation rate deflation rates would make stuff less expensive right so if the inflation rate were negative or the deflation rate were high the price of the good would presumably go down if the inflation rate were even at zero it would keep the stuff like at the same price so um i read the story and i kind of felt like well yeah inflation rates are low but stuff is still the same price like it's supposed to be yeah did you yeah yeah so so i mean i i just people still can't afford stuff yeah <laughs> so i i just don't understand so i think it's i mean historically right when inflation rate <laughs> inflation rate is low you have a lot of people so this this is this is my take on it yeah people try to buy in bulk Right. Yeah, exactly. People want to buy a lot of things, right? Um, people want to buy housing, and I've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think I think this is artificial. I don't think it's <laughs> it's real, right? Okay. So I feel like you know the inflation rate is low, and historically, when it's low, your your dollar goes a lot further, right? And okay. I just don't think that that's the case. Well, here. then it would. It then goes it would. Further. Yeah, then it yeah. would if the inflation rate was high, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so like in the, in the 1970s, 1980s, you'd see, once the inflation rate was low, you'd see a lot of people buying homes and things like that, which you might still see today, but I would be weary to buy a home right now, because I don't feel, especially, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, yeah, obviously I don't know the, the, the science behind it or the, the math behind it right now, but I just don't feel like this is a real low, inf I don't think it's real, I think it's just it's artificial. So your yeah. your dollar is really not going as far as you think it is, um, and I think we're on the cusp of another uh, recession. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I was going to say uh, my opinion on um, like inflation rates is basically based upon the nuance of the good. So oftentimes, um, the longer it's been since something was created makes it like simpler to produce so once something's been out for like a long time it becomes easier to manufacture and the inflation rate of it goes down and it starts to even off at its price but once it's like brand new um its inflation rate increases because people are trying to get it right like people want it so its inflation rate is going up and up and at some point um it reaches its pinnacle price and the price people are willing to pay for it for like people are, are willing to spend such and such dollar amount on something and it flatlines and it evens off and so sometimes uh, stuff made more recently is expensive and it goes through like or as it goes through the trials and errors of production so like it basically just depends upon like the nuance and like it becoming part of the cost of living so once something becomes part of the cost of living um, it also um, affects its inflation rate because um, it all gets put part of like the formula for the way to keep society going. So if the inflation rates are too high on stuff like food or housing, like you were saying, or some type of very important good, like some type of like um, everyday type of good, um, the inflation rate is going to be directly tied to people continuing to like afford it. Like it's going to basically alter as people are willing to, or basically with enough money to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So like, it just depends on what it is. Like for some stuff, uh, if it's really important, um, businesses are going to like make ways to make sure it's being sold to people so the inflation rate um would presumably lessen but yeah 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 it's just it's just on the importance of it and like the price people are willing to pay for it mm -hmm. like um if it's really important people are going to pay for it like people are going to pay for food and people are going to try to find housing and so on um so finding the formula for the cost of living goes into like such important stuff. Um, but for some stuff, it's just like a free for all. Like as people first started getting like new gadgets and stuff, the inflation rates for stuff like TVs and stuff were just like through the roof because um, it was so nuanced and people were willing to 
pay so much for it and some stuff stays stable like you were saying some stuff yeah mm-hmm. goes through sometimes it's bad for businesses to try to up prices too much because people find ways out of it yeah but yeah I don't know. People can't afford stuff. Inflation rate is low. Uh, just, yeah, say, exactly. I mean, just say if it if it leads to like a crisis and people stop using it, um, like I'm saying, it's bad for business. Yeah, if that's the indicator of pricing, right? So inflation mm-hmm. is low and people can't afford stuff still, right? <laughs> yep. Well, Supply and demand. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Yep. 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 So yeah, it takes a deflation rate presumably, like, for stuff to start costing less. Or just people start making more and the inflation rate becomes, like, null and void, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, we made it through our topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, usually, before we get ready to go, uh, we give you one more, uh, kind of like an extra, to me, we call it the tangent. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just like um, an off-topic subject or like a subject to deal with some type of outside of our current podcast um, topics from before. So since we are um, on our last episode of February, and February is Black History Month, I figured it's good for me to um, mention someone black and someone of prominence and the story of him. The story is of uh, the man Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. So for Black History Month, Sports Illustrated um, online put out an article on Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Story Mahmoud Abdul Rauf of an NBA career ended early after peaceful protests were met with disapproval and excommunication. So the NBA career of Chris Jackson, uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, is formerly Chris Jackson, uh, began during the 1990 season. By 1999 or 1991, he converted to Islam along with prominent black figures before him, such as Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Malcolm X. During his third season, he won the NBA's most improved player award and began to go by the name Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Um, he was on his way to an NBA career with plenty of success, but his ongoing decision to sit out from participating during the national anthem led to some controversy. He sat out due to his views on the social injustice of America and the oppression of people of color in America, and he stayed within the constructs of the First Amendment rights to citizens, um, and he peacefully protested uh, by staying in the locker room or continuing to stretch. So, yeah, he protested by staying in the locker room or stretching. By 1996, the NBA was over it and suspended him for one game uh, or some games, I believe it was just one, and fined him for $31,707. He soon made a deal with the league and decided to stand and pray during the national anthem. So he uh, would stand uh, with his teammates and he would just pray. So after soon getting benched and casually subjugated out of the league, um, Abdul Rauf was playing overseas by the year 1998. So it took like two years for him to be out of the NBA. Uh, Abdul Rauf uh, returned to the NBA by the year 2000, but um, he was past his best days. He became part of an exclusive list of people being blackballed from certain factions of society after acting upon the governmentally made rules and rights of citizenship. Overall, I get the construct of a business like the NBA making it a rule for players to stand for the national anthem. I also get them as a business being readily, really willing to require some actions as cooperative business practices, but suppressing someone's religious beliefs and being acted upon peacefully goes against the construct of the U.S. Constitution. So if the argument is to abide by and adhere to the spirit and doctrine of the country and its Constitution, peacefully petitioning for your democratic opinion to be recognized is part of Constitutional Amendment Number 1. Mahmoud 
Abdul Rauf is a symbol of the relegation of the advancement of equal rights amongst people. The United Nations is an intergovernmental organization created for peace of the world, and the United States is part of it. So, like, I expect the United States to um, abide by the idea of peace, people peacefully assembling. So, as cases like the Colin Kaepernick case of 2016 become prominent, it'll be great if the United States is an active leader uh, for going by its own laws and system of rights. So, yeah, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, or Rauf, um, basically was against the national anthem, got kicked out of the league, and basically was like the symbol Colin Kaepernick is today mm -hmm. of, yeah, people trying to peacefully assemble. Like, he just would sit out, or he would pray, and, yeah, the business of the league got him out of it, and I feel like it's within his rights for him to peacefully assemble. If he feels like he'd rather pray, um, if someone were to say before they entered the league, they want to pray, like if someone were very religious and they were like, during such and such time, I'm required to pray for my religion, um, I feel like um, within the constructs of the way businesses are and the Equal Employment Opportunities Act and so on, um, I feel like it's right for um, him to be allowed to pray and him to be kept safe from any type of like discrimination because of it. Yeah. So yeah, it was during the nineties. It's been like almost 30. It's been like, yeah, it's been like 30 years. Oh, yeah. Since that happened. Well, yeah, it's been almost, it's been like 25 years since he was suspended and it's been like 30 years since he started playing for the NBA. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, he plays for the big three league. Um, the big three league is like for retired um, NBA players and so on. So he's made his way back to the U.S. But yeah, he used to play overseas. And yeah, it was because of him being suspended and exiled and basically blackballed yeah. out of the league. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. People um, are still like making moves, trying to... Uh, um, peacefully create ways of social justice. So good for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. he was like the he was like the '90s Steph Curry. He was like on his way towards being like Steph Curry. Wow. He's like he's like yeah, <laughs> making the threes and stuff. And then he just wanted to pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I have yeah, a tangent. Equal opportunity. I, I, have, I have a tangent. Okay. First time ever. It's not. Okay. Not uh, American, African American related uh, okay. for Black History Month, but um, <laughs> it's about these 17th century monks. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so basically, they went on a fast, a 40 day fast, um, mm -hmm. and all they had to consume was beer and water <laughs> for 40 days. So mm -hmm. they were able to do it because they brewed their own beer and they made sure that the beer had. A lot of nutrients in it, you know. So when they drank the beer, they're basically, you know, without eating food, they were still able to sustain, you know, what they needed for at least those forty days. So that's my yeah. that, that was my tangent. It's not as good okay. as, not as good as yours. So uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Uh, it was all right. I it. liked it. <laughs> it. It'll be cool for you to come up with some. I mean, it's good to just end it with. Some type of different topic sometimes. Yeah. Keeping it, yeah, outside of just, like, the bad stuff, I guess, like the coronavirus. Uh, stuff costing too much and so on. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, for you listeners, we are very grateful for you. Glad you let us let it out. Um, and I guess we're um, expecting and wanting y'all to rate, review, subscribe, and give us feedback. Uh, we like it. We got our first review, um, and we read it, and I was very grateful for it, and uh, we kind of want to use it as constructive criticism. We made um, some moves on our Facebook page. 
Um, so you'll find us on Facebook. I'm still trying to figure out some good way to implement Instagram to our podcast. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, y'all are great for listening. Yeah, thank, thank you, listeners. I appreciate y'all, every single yeah. one of you. Same to you, Sam. Okay. All right, and I guess it's the end of the show. I'll uh, see you guys next week. Yep. Enjoy your week. Oh, before we go, I want to apologize for our tangent section sounding so bad. I kept pronouncing Mahmoud Abdul Raouf's name wrong, so I just added some clips of me saying it correctly. It might sound kind of funny. Oh, and before we go, also, you anchor listeners. Oh, and for you anchor listeners, you get your song. It's Sade's Love is Stronger Than Pride.